Environment Today is a podcast about the current state of our planet's environment and ways to contribute to the health and prosperity of our ecosystem. Content presented by Amy and James Sharp. I'm James Sharp. And I'm Amy Sharp. All information being discussed today is from the report, The Ocean and Cryosphere in a Changing Climate. This summary for policymakers was formally approved at the second joint session of working groups one and two of the IPCC and accepted by the 51st session of the IPCC, Principality of Monaco, 24th September, 2019. The cryosphere is defined in this report as the components of the Earth system at and below the land and ocean surface that are frozen including snow cover, glaciers, ice sheets, ice shelves, icebergs, sea ice, lake ice, river ice, permafrost, and seasonally frozen ground. Environment Today's podcast will bring this and other current scientific reports on our environment to you every two weeks, putting these details into layman's terms as much as possible. You will receive a great deal more information than you would hear or read in short blurbs of daily news briefings. We want to bring you all the key facts in detail and then provide real-life solutions that you can implement after hearing the facts of each report. Who is the IPCC? The IPCC is an intergovernmental panel on climate change that is part of the United Nations body and is solely tasked with assessing the science related to climate change. This special report on the Ocean and Cryosphere in a Changing Climate, or SROCC report, was prepared following an IPCC panel decision in 2016 to prepare three special reports during the sixth assessment cycle. By assessing new scientific literature, the SROCC responds to government and observer organization proposals. This special report follows the two other IPCC special reports on global warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius and on climate change in land, Both of these special reports have been covered in detail in prior podcasts of Environment Today. This report also follows the Intergovernmental Science Policy Platform on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services Global Assessment Report. This summary for policymakers compiles key findings of the report and is structured in three parts. Part A, Observed Changes and Impacts. Part B, Projected Changes and Risks, and Part C, Implementing Responses to Ocean and Cryosphere Change. This week's podcast will be covering Part A on the Observed Changes and Impacts. The Importance of the Ocean and Cryosphere for People All people on Earth depend directly or indirectly on the ocean and cryosphere. The global ocean covers 71% of the Earth's surface and contains about 97% of the Earth's water. 
The cryosphere refers to frozen components of the Earth system. Around 10% of Earth's land area is covered by glaciers or ice sheets. The ocean and cryosphere support unique habitats and are interconnected with other components of the climate system through global exchange of water, energy, and carbon. The projected responses of the ocean and cryosphere to past and current human-induced greenhouse gas emissions and ongoing global warming include climate feedbacks, changes over decades to millennia that cannot be avoided, thresholds of abrupt change, and irreversibility. Human communities in close connection with coastal environments, small islands, including small island developing states, polar areas, and high mountains are particularly exposed to ocean and cryosphere change, such as sea level rise, extreme sea level, and shrinking cryosphere. Other communities further from the coast are also exposed to changes in the ocean, such as through extreme weather events. Today, around 4 million people live permanently in the Arctic region, of whom 10% are indigenous. The low-lying coastal zone is currently home to around 680 million people, nearly 10% of the 2010 global population, projected to reach more than 1 billion by 2050. Small island developing states are home to 65 million people, around 670 million people, nearly 10% of the 2010 global population, including indigenous peoples, live in high mountain regions in all continents except Antarctica. In high mountain regions, population is projected to reach between 740 and 840 million by 2050, about 8.4 to 8.7 percent of the projected global population. In addition to their role within the climate system, such as the uptake and redistribution of natural and human-caused carbon dioxide and heat, as well as ecosystem support, services provided to people by the ocean and or cryosphere include food and water supply, renewable energy, and benefits for health and well-being, cultural values, tourism, trade, and transport. The state of the ocean and cryosphere interacts with each aspect of sustainability reflected in the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Part A. Observed Changes and Impacts Observed Physical Changes Over the last decades, global warming has led to widespread shrinking of the cryosphere with mass loss from ice sheets and glaciers, reductions in snow cover and Arctic sea ice extent and thickness, and increased permafrost temperature. Ice sheets and glaciers worldwide have lost mass. Between 2006 and 2015, the Greenland ice sheet lost ice mass at an average rate of 278 gigatons per year equivalent to 0.77 millimeters per year of global sea level rise, mostly due to surface melting. 
In 2006 to 2015, the Antarctic ice sheet lost mass at an average rate of 155 gigatons per year, or 0.43 millimeters per year, mostly due to rapid thinning and retreat of major outlet glaciers draining the West Antarctic ice sheet. Glaciers worldwide outside Greenland and Antarctica lost mass at an average rate of 220 gigatons per year, equivalent to 0.61 millimeters per year sea level rise in 2006 to 2015. Point of reference, 360 gigatons of ice corresponds to one millimeter of global mean sea level. Arctic June snow cover extent on land declined by 13.4% per decade from 1967 to 2018, a total loss of approximately 2.5 million kilometers, predominantly due to surface air temperature increase. In nearly all high mountain areas, the depth, extent, and duration of snow cover have declined over recent decades, especially at lower elevation. Permafrost temperatures have increased to record high levels 1980s to present, including the recent increase by 0.29 degrees Celsius from 2007 to 2016, averaged across polar and high mountain regions globally. Arctic and boreal permafrost contain 1,460 to 1,600 gigatons of organic carbon, almost twice the carbon in the atmosphere. Permafrost thaw and glacier retreat have decreased the stability of high mountain slopes. Between 1979 and 2018, Arctic sea ice extent has very likely decreased for all months of the year. September sea ice reductions are very likely 12.8% per decade. These sea ice changes in September are likely unprecedented for at least 1,000 years. Arctic sea ice has thinned concurrent with a transition to younger ice between 1979 and 2018. The areal portion of multi-year ice at least five years old has declined by approximately 90%. Feedbacks from the loss of summer sea ice and spring snow cover on land have contributed to amplified warming in the Arctic where surface air temperature likely increased by more than double the global average over the last two decades. Changes in Arctic sea ice have the potential to influence mid-latitude weather, but there is low confidence in the detection of this influence for specific weather types. Antarctic sea ice extent overall has no statistically significant trend from 1979 to 2018 due to contrasting regional signals and large interannual variability. Use of Climate Change Scenarios and SROCC Assessments of projected future changes in this report are based largely on Phase 5 of the Coupled Model Intercomparison Project Climate Model Projections using Representative Concentration Pathways. Representative Concentration Pathways, 
or RCPs, are scenarios that include time series of emissions and concentrations of the full suite of greenhouse gases and aerosols and chemically active gases, as well as land use, land cover. RCPs provide only one set of many possible scenarios that would lead to different levels of global warming. This report uses mainly RCP 2.6 and RCP 8.5 in its assessment, reflecting the available literature. RCP 2.6 represents a low greenhouse gas emission, high mitigation future that in phase five of the coupled model intercomparison project simulations gives a two in three chance of limiting global warming to below two degrees Celsius by 2100. By contrast, RCP 8.5 is a high greenhouse gas emission scenario in the absence of policies to combat climate change, leading to continued and sustained growth in atmospheric greenhouse gas concentrations. Compared to the total set of RCPs, RCP 8.5 corresponds to the pathway with the highest greenhouse gas emissions. The underlying chapters also reference other scenarios, including RCP 4.5 and RCP 6.0, that have intermediate levels of greenhouse gas emissions and result in intermediate levels of warming. Projected global mean surface temperatures range for four of the representative concentration pathways. This includes the lower projections if RCP 2.6 happens up to the higher projections if a pathway like RPC 8.5 occurs. Near-term years of 2031 to 2050 range is projected to be 1.1 degrees Celsius to 2.4 degrees Celsius, or 1.9 degrees Fahrenheit to 4.32 degrees Fahrenheit. For end of century 2081 to 2100, the range is projected to be 0.9 degrees Celsius to 5.4 degrees Celsius, or 1.62 degrees Fahrenheit to 9.72 degrees Fahrenheit. It is virtually certain that the global ocean has warmed unabated since 1970 and has taken up more than 90% of the excess heat in the climate system. Since 1993, the rate of ocean warming has more than doubled. Marine heat waves have very likely doubled in frequency since 1982 and are increasing in intensity. By absorbing more CO2, the ocean has undergone increasing surface acidification. A loss of oxygen has occurred from the surface to 1,000 meters. The ocean warming trend documented in the fifth IPCC assessment report has continued. Since 1993, the rate of ocean warming and thus heat uptake has more than doubled and is attributed to humid-made forcing. The Southern Ocean accounted for 35 to 43 percent of the total heat gain in the upper 2,000 meters of global ocean between 1970 and 2017. Its share increased 
to 45 to 62% between 2005 and 2017. The deep ocean below 2,000 meters has warmed since 1992, especially in the Southern Ocean. Globally, marine heat-related events have increased. Marine heat waves, defined when the daily sea surface temperature exceeds the local 99th percentile over the period 1982 to 2016, have doubled in frequency and have become longer-lasting, more intense, and more extensive. It is very likely that between 84 to 90 percent of marine heat waves that occurred between 2006 and 2015 are attributable to human-caused temperature increase. A marine heat wave is a period of extreme warm near-sea surface temperature that persists for days to months and can extend up to thousands of kilometers. Density stratification has increased in the upper 200 meters of the ocean since 1970. Observed surface ocean warming and high-latitude addition of freshwater are making the surface ocean less dense relative to deeper parts of the ocean and inhibiting mixing between surface and deeper waters. The mean stratification of the upper 200 meters has increased by 2.3% from the 1971-1990 average to the 1998-2017 average. Density stratification describes the layers of water in a body of water with a layer of cold, dense water at the bottom and, at temperatures above freezing, a warmer layer floating on top. The ocean has taken up between 20 to 30 percent of total human-caused CO2 emissions since the 1980s, causing further ocean acidification. Open ocean surface pH has declined by a very likely range of 0.017 to 0.027 pH units per decade since the late 1980s, with the decline in surface ocean pH very likely to have already emerged from background natural variability for more than 95% of the ocean surface area. Datasets spanning 1970 through 2010 show that the open ocean has lost oxygen by a very likely range of 0.5 to 3.3% over the upper 1,000 meters, alongside a likely expansion of the volume of oxygen minimum zones by 3 to 8%. Oxygen loss is primarily due to increasing ocean stratification changing ventilation, and biogeochemistry. Observations from 2004 to 2017 and based on sea surface temperature reconstructions indicate that the Atlantic meridional overturning circulation has weakened relative to 1850 through 1900. There is insufficient data to quantify the magnitude of the weakening or to properly attribute it to human-caused forcing due to the limited length of the observational record. Although attribution is currently not possible, coupled models intercomparison Project 5 model simulations of the period of 1850 through 2015 
on average exhibit a weakening Atlantic meridional overturning circulation when driven by human-caused forcing. Global mean sea level is rising. With acceleration in recent decades due to increasing rates of ice loss from the Greenland and Antarctic ice sheets, as well as continued glacier mass loss and ocean thermal expansion. Increases in tropical cyclone winds and rainfall, and increases in extreme waves, combined with relative sea level rise, exacerbate extreme sea level events and coastal hazards. Total global mean sea level rise for 1902 through 2015 is 0.16 meters. The rate of global mean sea level rise for 2006 through 2015 is 3.6 millimeters per year and is unprecedented over the last century, and about two and a half times the rate for 1901 through 1990 of 1.4 millimeters per year. The sum of ice sheet and glacier contributions over the period from 2006 through 2015 is the dominant source of sea level rise, exceeding the effect of thermal expansion of ocean water. The dominant cause of global mean sea level rise since 1970 is human-caused forcing. Sea level rise has accelerated due to the combined increased ice loss from the Greenland and Antarctic ice sheets. Mass loss from the Antarctic ice sheet over the period from 2007 to 2016 tripled relative to 1997 through 2006. For Greenland, mass loss doubled over the same period. Acceleration of ice flow and retreat in Antarctica, which has the potential to lead to sea level rise of several meters within a few centuries, is observed in West Antarctica and East Antarctica. These changes may be the onset of an irreversible ice sheet instability. Uncertainty related to the onset of ice sheet instability arises from limited observations, inadequate model representation of ice sheet processes, and limited understanding of the complex interactions between the atmosphere, ocean, and the ice sheet. Sea level rise is not globally uniform and varies regionally. Regional differences result from land ice loss and variations in ocean warming and circulation. Differences from the global mean can be greater in areas of rapid vertical land movement, including from local human activities, for example, extraction of groundwater. Extreme wave heights which contribute to extreme sea level events, coastal erosion and flooding, have increased in the southern and North Atlantic oceans by around 1 centimeter per year and 0.8 centimeters per year over the period 1985 to 2018. Sea ice loss in the Arctic has also increased wave heights over the period of 1992 through 2014. Anthropogenic or human-caused climate change has increased observed precipitation, winds, and extreme sea level events associated with some tropical cyclones, which has increased intensity of multiple extreme events and associated cascading impacts. 
anthropogenic or human-caused climate change may have contributed to a poleward migration of maximum tropical cyclone intensity in the western North Pacific in recent decades related to anthropogenically forced tropical expansion. There is emerging evidence for an increase in annual global proportion of Category 4 or 5 tropical cyclones in recent decades. Observed Impacts on Ecosystems Cryospheric and associated hydrological changes have impacted terrestrial and freshwater species and ecosystems in high mountain and polar regions through the appearance of land previously covered by ice, changes in snow cover, and thawing permafrost. These changes have contributed to changing the seasonal activities, abundance, and distribution of ecologically, culturally, and economically important plant and animal species, ecological disturbances, and ecosystem functioning. Over the last century, some species of plants and animals have increased in abundance, shifted their range, and established in new areas as glaciers receded and the snow-free season lengthened. Together with warming, these changes have increased locally the number of species in high mountains as lower elevation species migrate upslope. Some cold-adapted or snow-dependent species have declined in abundance, increasing their risk of extinction, notably on mountain summits. In polar and mountain regions, many species have altered seasonal activities, especially in late winter and spring. Increased wildfire and abrupt permafrost thaw, as well as changes in Arctic and mountain hydrology, have altered frequency and intensity of ecosystem disturbances. This has included positive and negative impacts on vegetation and wildlife, such as reindeer and salmon. Across tundra, satellite observations show an overall greening, often indicative of increased plant productivity. Some browning areas in tundra and boreal forests are indicative that productivity has decreased. These changes have negatively affected provisioning, regulating and cultural ecosystem services, with also some transient positive impacts for provisioning services in both high mountains and polar regions. Since about 1950, many marine species across various groups have undergone shifts in geographical range and seasonal activities in response to ocean warming, sea ice change, and biochemical changes such as oxygen loss to their habitats. This has resulted in shifts in species composition, abundance, and biomass production of ecosystems from the equator to the poles. Altered interactions between species have caused cascading impacts on ecosystem structure and functioning. In some marine ecosystems, species are impacted by both the effects of fishing and climate changes. Rates of poleward shifts and distributions across different marine species since the 1950s are 52 kilometers per decade and 29 kilometers per decade for organisms in the upper 200 meters from sea surface 
and seafloor ecosystems, respectively. The rate and direction of observed shifts in distributions are shaped by local temperature, oxygen, and ocean currents across depth, latitudinal, and longitudinal gradients. Warming-induced species range expansions have led to altered ecosystem structure and functioning, such as in the North Atlantic, Northeast Pacific, and Arctic. In recent decades, Arctic net primary production has increased in ice-free waters and spring phytoplankton blooms are occurring earlier in the year in response to sea ice change and nutrient availability, with spatially variable positive and negative consequences for marine ecosystems. In the Antarctic, such changes are spatially heterogeneous and have been associated with rapid local environmental change, including retreating glaciers and sea ice change. Changes in the seasonal activities, production, and distribution of some Arctic zooplankton and a southward shift in the distribution of the Antarctic krill population in the South Atlantic are associated with climate-linked environmental changes. In polar regions, ice-associated marine mammals and seabirds have experienced habitat contraction linked to sea ice changes and impacts on foraging success due to climate impacts on prey distributions. Cascading effects of multiple climate-related drivers on polar zooplankton have affected food web structure and function biodiversity, as well as fisheries. Eastern boundary upwelling systems are amongst the most productive ocean ecosystems. Increasing ocean acidification and oxygen loss are negatively impacting two of the four major upwelling systems. The California Current and Humboldt Current, ocean acidification and decrease in oxygen level in the California Current upwelling system, have altered ecosystem structure with direct negative impacts on biomass production and species composition. Ocean warming in the 20th century and beyond has contributed to an overall decrease in maximum catch potential, compounding the impacts from overfishing for some fish stocks. In many regions, declines in the abundance of fish and shellfish stocks due to direct and indirect effects of global warming and biogeochemical changes have already contributed to reduced fishery catches. In some areas, changing ocean conditions have contributed to the expansion of suitable habitat and or increases in the abundance of some species. These changes have been accompanied by changes in species composition of fishery catches since the 1970s in many ecosystems. Coastal ecosystems are affected by ocean warming, including intensified marine heat waves, acidification, loss of oxygen, salinity intrusion, and sea level rise, in combination with adverse effects from human activities on ocean and land. Impacts are already observed on habitat area and biodiversity, as well as ecosystem functioning and services. Vegetated coastal ecosystems protect the coastline from storms and erosion and help buffer the impacts of sea level rise. Nearly 50% of coastal wetlands 
have been lost over the last 100 years as a result of the combined effects of localized human pressures, sea level rise, warming, and extreme climate events. Vegetated coastal ecosystems are important carbon stores. Their loss is responsible for the current release of 0.04 to 1.46 gigatons of carbon per year. In response to warming, distribution ranges of seagrass meadows and kelp forests are expanding at high latitudes and contracting at low latitudes since the late 1970s, and in some areas, episodic losses occur following heat waves. Large-scale mangrove mortality that is related to warming since the 1960s has been partially offset by their encroachment into subtropical salt marshes as a result of increase in temperature, causing the loss of open areas with herbaceous plants that provide food and habitat for dependent fauna. Increased seawater intrusion and estuaries due to sea level rise has driven upstream redistribution of marine species and caused a reduction of suitable habitats for estuarine communities. Increased nutrient and organic matter loads in estuaries since the 1970s from intensive human development and riverine loads have exacerbated that stimulating effects of ocean warming on bacterial respiration, leading to expansion of low oxygen areas. The impacts of sea level rise on coastal ecosystems include habitat contraction, geographical shift of associated species, and loss of biodiversity and ecosystem functionality. Impacts are exacerbated by direct human disturbances. And where anthropogenic or human-caused barriers prevent landward shift of marshes and mangroves, termed coastal squeeze, depending on local geomorphology and sediment supply, marshes and mangroves can grow vertically at rates equal to or greater than current mean sea level rise. Warm water coral reefs and rocky shores dominated by immobile, calcifying, for example, shell and skeleton-producing organisms such as corals, barnacles, and mussels are currently impacted by extreme temperatures and ocean acidification. Marine heat waves have already resulted in large-scale coral bleaching events at increasing frequency, causing worldwide reef degradation since 1997, and recovery is slow, more than 15 years if it occurs. Prolonged periods of high environmental temperature and dehydration of the organisms pose high risk to rocky shore ecosystems. Observed Impacts on People and Ecosystem Services Since the mid-20th century, the shrinking cryosphere in the Arctic and high mountain areas has led to predominantly negative impacts on food security, water resources, water quality, livelihoods, health and well-being, infrastructure, transportation, tourism and recreation, as well as culture of human societies, particularly for indigenous peoples. Costs and benefits have been unequally distributed across populations and regions. Adaptation efforts have benefited from
from the inclusion of indigenous knowledge and local knowledge. Food and water security have been negatively impacted by changes in snow cover, lake and river ice, and permafrost in many Arctic regions. These changes have disrupted access to and food availability within herding, hunting, fishing, and gathering areas, harming the livelihoods and cultural identity of Arctic residents, including indigenous populations. Glacier retreat and snow cover changes have contributed to localized declines in agricultural yields in some high mountain regions. In the Arctic, negative impacts of cryosphere change on human health have included increased risk of food and waterborne diseases, malnutrition, injury, and mental health challenges, especially among indigenous peoples. In some high mountain areas, water quality has been affected by contaminants, particularly mercury, released from melting glaciers and thawing permafrost. Health-related adaptation efforts in the Arctic range from local to international in scale, and successes have been underpinned by indigenous knowledge. Arctic residents, especially indigenous peoples, have adjusted the timing of activities to respond to changes in seasonality and safety of land, ice, and snow travel conditions. Municipalities and industry are beginning to address infrastructure failures associated with flooding and thawing permafrost and some coastal communities have planned for relocation. Limited funding, skills, capacity, and institutional support to engage meaningfully in planning processes have challenged adaptation. Summertime Arctic ship-based transportation, including tourism, increased over the past two decades concurrent with sea ice reductions. This has implications for global trade and economies linked to traditional shipping corridors and poses risks to Arctic marine ecosystems and coastal communities, such as from invasive species and local pollution. In past decades, exposure of people and infrastructure to natural hazards has increased due to growing population, tourism, and socioeconomic development. Some disasters have been linked to changes in the cryosphere, for example in the Andes, High Mountain Asia, Caucasus, and European Alps. Changes in snow and glaciers have changed the amount of seasonality of runoff and water resources in snow-dominated and glacier-fed river basins. Hydropower facilities have experienced changes in seasonality and both increases and decreases in water input from high mountain areas, for example, in Central Europe, Iceland, Western U.S., Canada, and tropical Andes. High mountain aesthetic and cultural aspects have been negatively impacted by glacier and snow cover decline. Tourism and recreation, including ski and glacier tourism, hiking and mountaineering, have also been negatively impacted in many mountain regions. In some places, artificial snowmaking has reduced negative impacts on ski tourism. Changes in the ocean have impacted marine ecosystems and ecosystem services with regionally diverse outcomes, challenging their governance. 
Both positive and negative impacts result for food security through fisheries, local cultures and livelihoods, and tourism and recreation. The impacts on ecosystem services have negative consequences for health and well-being and for indigenous peoples and local communities dependent on fisheries. Warming-induced changes in the spatial distribution and abundance of some fish and shellfish stocks have had positive and negative impacts on catches, economic benefits, livelihoods, and local culture. There are negative consequences for indigenous peoples and local communities that are dependent on fisheries. Shifts in species distributions and abundance has challenged international and national ocean and fisheries governance, including in the Arctic, North Atlantic, and Pacific, in terms of regulating fishing to secure ecosystem integrity and sharing of resources between fishing entities. Harmful algal blooms display range expansion and increased frequency in coastal areas since the 1980s in response to both climatic and non-climatic drivers, such as increased riverine nutrients runoff. The observed trends in harmful algal blooms are attributed partly to the effects of ocean warming, marine heat waves, oxygen loss, eutrophication, and pollution. Harmful algal blooms have had negative impacts on food security, tourism, local economy, and human health. The human communities who are most vulnerable to these biological hazards are those in areas without sustained monitoring programs and dedicated early warning systems for harmful algal blooms. Coastal communities are exposed to multiple climate-related hazards, including tropical cyclones, extreme sea levels and flooding, marine heat waves, sea ice loss, and permafrost thaw. A diversity of responses has been implemented worldwide, mostly after extreme events, but also some in anticipation of future sea level rise, for example in the case of large infrastructure. Attribution of current coastal impacts on people to sea level rise remains difficult in most locations, since impacts were exacerbated by human-induced non-climatic drivers, such as land subsidence, for example groundwater extraction, pollution, habitat degradation, reef, and sand mining. Coastal protection through hard measures, such as dikes, seawalls, and surge barriers, is widespread in many coastal cities and deltas. Ecosystem-based and hybrid approaches combining ecosystems and built infrastructure are becoming more popular worldwide. Coastal advance, which refers to the creation of new land by building seawards, for example land reclamation, has a long history in most areas where there are dense coastal populations and a shortage of land. Coastal retreat, which refers to the removal of human occupation of coastal areas, is also observed, but is generally restricted to small human communities or occurs to create coastal wetland habitat. What can I do to help the oceans of our world? Just this week on October 26, 2019, 
a new initiative was started to clean up the massive amount of plastics in our oceans. It is called the Ocean Cleanup, and you can see the unveiling video and learn more at theoceancleanup.com. Of the 100,000 rivers around the world, approximately 1,000 rivers are responsible for about 80% of plastic waste that ends up in our oceans. The Ocean Cleanup has created a new autonomous river cleanup machine called the Interceptor. The Interceptor is a machine that floats on the river and is anchored to the river floor. It has a guide that brings plastics flowing in the river to the mouth of the floating machine. It then brings the plastics up a conveyor belt and drops it into a series of dumpsters. Once all the dumpsters are near capacity on the vessel, it will text this information so that a waste removal ship will arrive to empty the dumpsters and transport the plastic to a recycling facility. The interceptor can extract 50,000 kilos of plastic per day, which is the equivalent of 1 million soda bottles. This method will help keep plastics from reaching the ocean and effectively turn off the tap of pollution to our oceans. The interceptor is already deployed in Indonesia, Malaysia, and the Dominican Republic. The next two vessels to be deployed will be to Thailand and Los Angeles County in the United States. The goal is to have the 1,000 most polluting rivers populated with the interceptor within five years. This is a global effort, and countries, industries, and individuals can all contribute to help this critical cleanup operation. Please visit theoceancleanup.com to donate today. Just think what a difference it would make if all of us donated just $25 each. Placing the interceptor in those 1,000 rivers in the five-year timeline is critical. Let's do this together for the benefit of our ocean's ecosystems, which we all need to support us in our lives, which is a win-win for everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you join me in two weeks for our next podcast that will cover part B of this special IPCC report, Projected Changes and Risks. Part B is the second of a three-part series on this IPCC report and educates us on our oceans and cryosphere. Please join us then to learn more about the environment today.